Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokan. I'm Richard Roper. All right. We have many things to get to as <laughs> February draws to a close. Yes. But first, let me tell you this, that the Rowan Roper Podcast, Screen Time, as you are listening to it right now, is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing. It all drives your overall business success because they believe that today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. Remember that? They always used to do that, you radio The rattling of papers, yes. rattling of papers. That would let (laughs) uh, let the audience know something important was coming your way. (laughs) Is it? Back in the day. Listen, there's so much going on, Rokan, and I'm going to just... let me just drive you around, and I'll just show you the various pop cultural sites, sure. and you could give, give me your reaction to them. How does that sound? Certainly. I want to start off with something. Uh, this has just come out as we speak. The, the podcast will still be warm out of the oven. Casting news announced today. There's a new Apple TV series coming out. Eventually, it's going to be called The Crowded Room, and it's causing quite the kerfuffle because here's the casting. It's going to start Tom Holland. We all know Tom Holland, of course, is the latest Spider-Man, among mm-hmm. other things. And Emmy Rossum, our friend who was on Shameless for years. Yes. And here's the thing. Emmy Rossum is going to play Tom Holland's mother. Okay. She is 35. He is 25. But this is Hollywood. So people are going nuts because they're saying this is a classic example of Hollywood, which, as you know, basically since the invention of cinema has been doing this yes. to women. Right. And even though things are better now than they used to be, they're still doing this. Right. So it was ingenue to Madam District Attorney to Driving Miss Daisy. Yes. While the leading men get to continue to be leading men. You know, if you if you cast uh, Michael Douglas or Harrison Ford in a movie today, <laughs> right. they'd still get Gwyneth Paltrow, at least, to right. play their wife. Well, right? close or to Sandra, Blackheart, or maybe. Or Sandra Bullock. But I mean, you know, someone <laughs> yeah. 25 years younger. So, And Emmy looks, I think she looks the same age as Tom Holland. She's, you know, I mean, yeah. she's got a very youthful vibrancy to her. I agree. Uh, Listen, they could do things with makeup and everything, but just the idea that 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 they would have that casting. I, okay, Tom Holland's twenty five. Let's get an actor who's essentially what fifty to sixty to play his mother. Even Aunt May, I mean, Aunt May was hot. Yeah. All of a sudden, Aunt May got hot in the Spider-Man movies because right. she was basically like... She well, she was like, out shopping a husband, actually, as I recall. <laughs> she always used to look like she was like a, the label of like a maple syrup, you know, like <laughs> right. Granny's Recipe, you know, yeah. like you know, they made her, they always made... You know, like Superman's, years old. Superman's mom, remember? Superman's yeah. mom was always like a grandmother. Yes. Right? With a Martin bun Kent. and the whole thing. Yeah. And then they, they did that too. They got Diane Lane all of a sudden. Kevin Costner to play the dad and mom. I do have to say, right? though, I, I'm, I, I don't want to get too Honestly, down this tangent, but I will I say do. I have this uh, propensity to watch classic films, often on TCM, and then I'll sit there and IMDb stuff. Yeah. And they'll show some older actress playing the grandmother or the mom of the gangster mall, you know, right. or the whatever, whatever it happens James to Cagney's be. James mom or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and you look at the IMDb, and at the time of the film, even though this woman looked like what would now be an easy 75, yeah. was like 40. Yeah, well, that's true, too. I mean, even in the midst of the pandemic, you know, the aging process and, and people lasting longer and looking better, it's definitely a different thing. I mean, uh, yeah, you go back and you look at, like, Humphrey Bogart and some of those movies, and you think, oh, he's 32. You know? yes. <laughs> You're like, what? 
I thought he was 64. Right. I, maybe it's it has to do with when we saw the movie, the movies are older. But people got older faster. And, of course, you have cosmetic surgery now. And you, you mentioned Sandra Bullock, right? She's, you know, around our age. And Sandra Bullock is as, I think, you know, as beautiful today yeah. as she ever was. Well, and we are getting... Again, strides have been made, I think, especially in the worlds of streaming, although this is going to be a streaming series, where we see a lot more roles for actresses that aren't just the mom roles or the grandma roles, where they're the secret agent or they're running the government or you know all of that great stuff. But this has gone on forever. I mean, I remember famously The Graduate and Bancroft was three years older than Dustin Hoffman. Right. Mrs. Robinson would have been in the same high school as Benjamin, <laughs> right? Freshman and senior. Yes. You're a senior, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. So we wish everybody the best there. I will say this: they're both terrific actors, and you know we'll see what happens with it. But I don't think they expected this sort of backlash because this was just an announcement. Hey, we got two stars. We got a new series. Yay, casting! And then everybody on Twitter went, "Oh my God, you're so sexist. This is horrible." Uh, okay, so everybody. That's the problem. Is now everybody does have a voice, right? Social media world is just built to be outraged about something. So you're going to have a little stream of people who've decided, this is outrageous. I cannot believe the ageism that is at play here when these are two working actors who need the gigs. I mean, you know, Tom Holland, uh, you know, he's, he's got his thing going. He's a superstar. Right, right. he's a superstar point, right he's now. He's a global star, yeah. But Emmy Rossum is a star and continues to work. She finds things to be in, and it's good for everybody. Yeah, but, but she is a working actor, and she took some time off. She recently had her first child. You know, here's the thing, too. She took the role. So, you know, it might be a fantastic part. And she might have looked at it and said, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll do things with yeah. makeup and hair what and everything. What business is it so of Twitterverse? It just got everybody really worked up, which cracks me up. Here's another one. I'm going yeah. to zip over to this one. I've got my whole outline here, and I'm just going to just abandon it and let the, <laughs> the flow of our brilliance take you down uh -oh. the stream of consciousness or something like that bullshit. There's a comedian, I believe, by the name of Megan Beth Kester, K-O-E-S-T-E-R. Okay. She seems very funny. She sends out a tweet, and this this got people even more upset than I think Putin and the Ukraine, <laughs> or anything involving the Supreme Court yeah. or Canada and truckers. Yeah. Uh, here's what she tweeted. She kind of took a shot at Ted Lasso, but really at the fans. She said, "I've never seen an episode of Ted Lasso, but its fans have big." childless adult whose entire personality is predicated on their love of Disneyland energy. I guess, she, you know, childless adults who go to Disney is a big deal, is a thing, right? We know about that. Yeah. We know somebody, actually, at least one person. I don't know if you know, but I know that is a, it actually has a child, but a grown child, but continues to go to the Disney properties. Some people love it. As a, as a man in his 60s, because he just loves all the attractions. Yeah. I think what she's saying there is there's something weird and creepy and off-putting about Ted Lasso fans. I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't know how you can, you know, put us all in one box, Ted Lasso fans. There are literally tens of millions of them. But the Ted Lasso fans got so worked up about this. They were so offended by this. And I was like, why do you care? I'm a Ted Lasso fan. I don't feel like I have big adult child who goes to Disneyland energy, whatever that means. Ted Lasso you know, is an antidote to what we were all going through at the time of the pandemic. And yeah. It just seemed... Like, was this ever going to end? There's such incredible anger like this. Whose Twitter, Twitter, Twitter handle. Or Twitter, Whose Twitter handle is Born Feral. Interesting. Right? So just you let the person know who's going to read Born Feral tweet that this is going to be some form of assholery, right? Yeah, It's designed to provoke Everybody on the planet to talk about it. And it so worked. she found us and to be worked. able to talk about it. So it yes, so it did work. And I get I get the math that she was employing there. But 
yes. If you hate Ted Lasso, like she just said, she's never seen it before, so you don't really get to talk about it if you don't know what it is yeah, that you're talking about and be taken seriously. She has missed a very important point. It was, as I'm saying, an antidote to what had occurred and what we were all experiencing simultaneously, and it felt nice. It was able to be funny, charming, endearing, and entertaining, and nice at the same time, which is seemingly a lost art because so much of our popular culture now, which is dominated by social media, is about being outrageous or mean or greedy. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the thing going after the fans, there's that that feeling too sometimes where something huge is happening and people feel left out, uh, whether it's Squid Game Mm -hmm. or Wordle, that they start going after the fans instead of saying, well, maybe I'll try this for myself. And they get almost vicious about it. And to me, it speaks of something there. And listen, like you said, she's, Trying to be an agitator, if so, it, she succeeded yes. brilliantly. I mean, she there was a lot of back and forth. I personally found this interesting only because this was trending above all topics on social media for half a day, more than any, not just pop culture, Rokan, but yeah. everything. That, that more people were, you know, from whatever the sample size is, especially on Twitter. And I just found that amazing because when I saw people retweeting it, I first was like, what is she trying to say? Okay, I guess she's trying to say that Ted Lasso fans have, so there's something upbeat but disturbingly almost about it like you would seeing adults without their children at disney i I don't know how you could again say that about all the fans but who gives a shit if she thinks that if you want to share your wordle score with me i don't care i mean i really don't care but i'm also not going to go on all my platforms and say enough with the wordle i got here's your wordle right here (laughs) well that's six letters oh man so Here's the thing that we're going to be able to... It used to just be talk radio, though, right? I mean, we've been well, in talk radio. this all is talk radio. You know that. Yeah, but this is talk radio on steroids. Times crack. And with a black hole <laughs> sucking yeah, it yeah. in. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something. I, I just... Talk radio was predicated for decades on agitating people to get them to get on and be a-holes. Yeah. That was just it. Yeah. That was the whole point of it. And then people would listen and go, oh my God, I can't believe that guy just said that. Or, where's yet? Oh, that's exactly how I feel. I wish I could say that. Yeah. And, and to get those it. get those those phones lighting up. The difference is it's talk radio, but all the callers got on the air at the same time. You know? <laughs> right. So right. it's a little bit Yeah. And uh, then there's group chaotic. think right. and everybody's yeah. going to jump in. Listen, if you haven't seen Ted Lasso and you're looking for a great diversion that's going to make you feel good at the end of 30 minutes... That's a really, really good show for you. I also think it's always been kind of intellectually lazy when you start lumping the fans of something into one category. And we've all done it with the Trekkers or the Trekkies, you know, the nerds and everything. Of course, now the nerds run the world. Right. But even then, you know, if you say, oh, only men like action movies. Well, I see a lot of women in action movies. Or only boys like comic book movies. No, a bunch of 50-year-old men and women or whatever the case may be. So... But we wish everybody the best of luck there. And I don't wish her the down. best of luck. I know, but you I used to say that on talk radio, so I stole <laughs> that from you. I want to continue down the social media rabbit hole on a couple yeah. of other things, Ro, before we get to some reviews of new stuff coming out. Now, this one I think is actually kind of funny. And this is like one of those fan polls. You know, like American Idol. Remember one year in American Idol, uh, Sanjay was on there, and mm-hmm. he was like terrible but adorable. Mm-hmm. And there were all these campaigns to keep voting for Sanjay. So, yes. like, you know, he would keep advancing while future, you know, Grammy award-winning <laughs> artists were voted out. Yes. And they couldn't do anything about it because of the fan ballot. Well, they're doing this, you know, the Oscars, they tried this a couple years ago. They were going to have most popular movie, and then they decided not to do it because everybody thought that would cheapen the brand. So this and year... they were right. And they were right. So this year, they, they had a hashtag, Oscars fan favorite. 
and you could tweet your favorite movie. There's a whole process, but you could do it up to like 20 times. So as soon as you can do it like up to 20 times, well, you know then there's going to be mounted campaigns and PR groups and all this kind of stuff. Algorithms Yeah, because so, yeah, there's no way really to measure this. And then the idea was they were going to fly three randomly chosen winners to the Oscars, and next year they'll actually get to present an Oscar because their Twitter pick got picked this year. It became very diluted, convoluted, and strange. Now, everybody just assumed, and they weren't going to give an actual Oscar. I guess just at the Oscars they were going to say live that night, congratulations to Tom Holland and his mom and his aunt who are both hot in fiction. <laughs> You know, for and that's everybody assumes yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home would win the popular vote. Well, so far, and voting hasn't closed yet, but Cinderella, which was the Amazon musical with uh, Camila Cabello, mm-hmm. Cinderella is by far ahead in the voting, and they figure that people are doing this. I actually thought the movie was fine. You know, it was kind of a new modern version of it. It was not a huge hit at all. But someone has so it's decided, twelve-year-old girls doing this. Is that what we're I, thinking? Or or a bunch of cynical forty-year-old men. I think even more likely. You know, just people kind of they oh. want to fu- they want to fuck with the system oh. so that on the night of the Academy Awards they have to go and the fan favorite. This, now, to me, if you were going to do that, talk about your Disney World energy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, but if you're going to do that. I mean, Cinderella, it's not going to be a bad thing if it gets picked as the fan favorite. To me, they should have gone with, like, you know, some horrible horror movie or something. Just something just god-awful. Have everybody vote for that. Because they still would have had to announce the winner then. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Saw six. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So now... I I think this is... You know, again, there are certain institutions that we look to for tastemaking and guidance and information that is verifiable. And we're losing all of those, (laughs) thanks to the Twitterverse and TikTok and all the rest of it. But when we have an institution like the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, Mm. we figure there is a brand there. There is that gold statue. There is a sense that what you're going to experience if you watch an Oscar-nominated film or performance, it's going to be good, yeah. right? It's going to be enjoyable. It's, it's already kind of got that stamp of approval. We don't have that anymore. On a side note, I was just reading a story today about the fact that you've got these <laughs> Twitter doctors, these guys who are on uh, Twitter and TikTok and you know Facebook, obviously, and Instagram mm-hmm. and all the rest of that are that have become huge celebrities in the anti-science world and oh, they, wow. like the whole uh, COVID oh, denier and, and all th- that. Yeah. yeah, they'll feed the frenzy of the conspiracy right. theory, the ivermectin and all the rest of okay. that stuff. Right. Yeah. So they feed. So there's this one guy who's responsible for like thirty percent of the content. Wow. Right now on the interweb. So he's one doctor. By the way, a Chicago native. Oh, good. You, thank God. Hometown right? hero. Yeah, hometown hero, right. So, and it's sort <laughs> of like, and it's and the thing is that now there's a movement to try to get these people actually sanctioned by whoever their licensing boards are in whatever state they're practicing right. to say, hey, whoa, 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 you're spreading misinformation, yeah, yeah. which is against, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, right? Yeah, yeah. First, do no harm. And that's- And, and the Twitocratic Oath. Right, <laughs> So they banned uh, the Donald and others right. for spreading misinformation. Yes. Right. So I mean, that's that's a real. It's fa- it's a fascinating wow. moment in which we're now living where everything, every institution that we kind of counted on as a brand that we trusted and identified with to create something. And when I say a brand that we trusted and identified with, I'm talking about the practice of medicine. I'm not even just talking about an individual. I'm talking about medicine as a whole. They're like, well, doctors, they must know. Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I just, I can't overemphasize how important it is 
that we come back to some shared acceptance of fact. And then we take the people, these 10 or 15 people a day who take over Twitter by saying something outrageous and then get everybody's attention, not to take them seriously. Well, part of the problem, too, is that, you know, the truth is science changes along with new discoveries. Medicine changes, discoveries, you know, doctors and and medical experts had certain opinions about things a century ago that would be laughed at now, right? But people, you know, they'll, they'll say, yeah, but Fauci said we don't need to wear a mask in March of 2019. Who gives a shit? Right. You know, there were doctors, you know, advertising cigarettes on TV in the 50s. <laughs> right. right. And then right. later would come out and go, oh, those will kill you. Right. And so, was, you, you know, you can't, to yeah. me, to, to point at something like that and go, well, he's inconsistent. It's like, not really. If you really, you know, keep up with it, but... um I would just advise everyone to watch Ted Lasso. Yes. To get vaccinated. Uh-huh. Uh, to watch mo- anything with Tom Holland. It just about, uh, except for Uncharted, which came out last week and did well, but I didn't like. And uh, finally, mm-hmm. I want to leave you with the, uh, before we go to our break, the words of Aaron Rodgers, who posted an Instagram message in which he says he uh, he thanked his teammates, Randall Cobb. He thanked his ex fiance. He goes on and on. He's been on a 12-day cleanse, by the way, too, which might explain a lot of this diarrhea that's coming out on the Instagram here. (laughs) Your love and support was overwhelming. I cherish the friendships I have with each of you. To my teammates, past and current, you are the icing on the beautiful cake we call our job, football. You know, I don't think, I I never, I I don't picture like Kenny Stabler saying that ever. You know, no. or Dick Butkus. You're the icing on the beautiful cake we call our job, yeah. football. I love you guys. I cherish the memories you made. On and on he goes. And a lot of people thought, well, this must be some sort of retirement announcement. He also, the stuff with Shailene Woodley is weird. Thanks for letting me chase after you and finally letting me catch up to you. Thanks for having my back, for the incredible kindness you show me. Well, tell her that. You don't need to say that on Instagram. Sure you do. You broke up. For whatever reason, I think she ended it. Shailene Woodley ended it, mainly because football came first. But now he's, you know, he's this big thank you note to her. Or is he trying to get her back with this? Maybe, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think... I don't, that, does that, that, that ever work? Kanye's been trying to get, uh, what's her name, Kim, Kim back, back with yeah. all kinds of stuff. and well, he's threatening, threatening the boyfriend is not a good way to start. He's going after Pete, and he's yeah. charging 200 bucks for his latest album. I don't think... Does that desperation ever work? No, but... There's something very weird about what happened to him during that relationship. You know, he went from being not only a iconic NFL player, but being a national spokesman. People liked him. Yeah. It was interesting. They were considering putting him as the host of Jeopardy. Yep. There was a story this morning, the national press, partially about this. And they said, you know, the one thing we know for sure is that Aaron Rodgers is smart, wicked smart. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I he's, he's incredibly articulate. He's interesting. And he's clearly interested in things like physics and things that, you know, like average folks are go, oh, I didn't like that in yeah, high he's, school. He's got a curiosity, a healthy yeah. curiosity. Well, not a healthy curiosity, unfortunately. Right. A curiosity about a lot of things. But that doesn't necessarily make him right. You know, yeah. and his turn off of the and again, if you listen, if you think that the vaccines are, you know, some sort of plot by the Democrats to kill you, then you know perhaps our opinions are not going to be for you. But in the main, the truth is that the vaccines 
are working and they are saving people's lives. And so far, people have not dropped dead. I don't. You can give me all the heart attack data you want to, but it's not true. And there's nobody in the medical community that anybody listens to or that the government is listening to right now, oh, God forbid, or that Donald Trump would even listen to because Donald Trump is vaccinated and boosted and all the rest of that. So Absolutely. you can you can believe your own bullshit, but it's still bullshit. So we're, at the end of this day, when Aaron Rodgers, who is supposed to be the you know, smartest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and he's got this interesting life, and he's always been with these you know brilliant women, the relationship with Shailene Woodley, think of all the things that went wrong when he was in it. And sometimes a relationship can do that for you. Are you blaming the girlfriend, no, fiance? No, I'm How not. How dare you? No, I'm not blaming her. Are you Shailene shaming? I am blaming the decisions he made while he was with her. And I don't know if that was to please her or she was encouraging it or he just decided to go off the road and she didn't guardrail him. Well, which w- yeah. might have been something that I would see Olivia Munn doing, you know. Just so well, that yeah, and for folks who don't know, we've talked about this. Shailene Woodley, who's a terrific actor, is an eccentric by her own you know yeah. words through the years, and has lots of interesting ideas about hygiene and and mental health and physical health and new age type of living. And I think there's no doubt that some of that rubbed off on Aaron. You know, he, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but and, uh, because that's where he, I think he folds into things like that. But uh, listen, you know, if you got a sore throat, you don't go to a quarterback, right? That's well, the reality. And that's the other thing. Let's not forget that, you know, he put together that 500-page research paper for the NFL, and they really weren't that interested after he'd done his own research, under the tutelage of Joe Rogan. That's where this all comes back. So, yeah. But anyway, a lot of people thought that meant Aaron Rodgers is retiring. I think it just meant he was on a 12-day cleanse, and he was loopy, so he posted this in the middle of the night. I predict Rogan. He doesn't Khan, know if he is or not at no, this moment. I think he comes back to the Packers. And he plays for like four more years. This is a bunch of nonsense. He just won the MVP. He's not going anywhere. I also think that, you know, as you mentioned, listen, he's going to have a million opportunities. He can have his own podcast, his own show and everything. I don't know if he has as many opportunities as he would have had a year ago. In That's the world, true. In the world of Hollywood, in terms of being a commentator, in terms of even getting acting roles or, you know, getting the, the what is it, the Rogers rate and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, the State Farm thing, I, I'm They've I'm stood fascinated. by him so far. So far. Yeah. I don't know when his contract's up, and I wonder if he gets renewed. And that's, you know, that's not just because they might, think that his views are garbage which they are and wrong on the science it could be anybody who's controversial on any side of the issue a lot of times products and companies they don't want that there were many reasons why nike loved michael jordan from the start first and foremost him being michael jordan but they also loved the fact that he was pretty much apolitical all through his career right and famously even said republicans buy shoes too and they, that's music to their ears, baby. You know, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm going to guess that he's voted Republican a few times. <laughs> would be my guess about. I mean, he's in a tax bracket that that often encourages that yeah, sort of but behavior. That, that's the whole thing. It was sort of like you know, certain stand-up comics have that approach. Some get knee deep in the politics each day. You could watch a rerun of the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and not know who the president is half of the time because he never wanted to get. In. He'd make fun of Clinton for being horny. Yeah. Or, you know, all the stereotypes. Okay. But but he wouldn't get into the politics of stuff because he didn't want to offend people. And that's the same way with spokespeople's. Now, I will just say this. For those who want to get on the bandwagon for Aaron Rodgers to be Rodgers Rangers, to go out there and fight when he's going to get canceled by whatever, if, in fact, he does get canceled by any of his mm-hmm. sponsors or oh, you know, whatever it is. And they're going to say, see, he spoke out, and now they're going to take him down. And all the people who want to get with him... Trust me, when he turns around and looks at the army behind him of the pitchforks mm-hmm. and the torches, he's going to go, what did I do? Because yeah. that's not who he truly is. No, he's not. 
he's he's a California hippie, and he'll come yep. back to him at some point. Yep. So and anyway, he's, and he's a football player, and that's what he's going to do next year. He's going to play football. And I don't know if he's a meat eater, but you know where is a good place to get the Italian tell me, beef? Tell me, it's at Portillo's. Let me tell you about our friends at Portillo's, the finest fast casual experience you're going to have in all of dining. Portillo's, you know, not just hot dogs. A lot of you know when it started in Chicago, people were like, "Oh, it's a hot dog shop." Oh wait, oh wait, we got we got Italian beef. Wait, we got Italian sausage. Wait, you got chocolate cake. <laughs> oh man, it's just uh, it's just one of the great experiences you can have. And I, I think I just said this a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. If you live somewhere where Portillo's is new in California, Arizona, parts of Florida. Check it out. Go. Have the chocolate cake. You get a little slice of home if you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago, or you're from the East Coast too because, you know, that that food will be very familiar to you as street food. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, it's going to be so heavy. It's not. Mm. And can I just tell you something? Mm. The best thing about Portillo's mm. is... That bun that they put the Italian beef on yeah, yeah. that you get now when you get that dipped and it gets all wet, yeah. that is the perfect piece of bread. <laughs> and, you know, carbs be damned. You can do it once a month. You're sure. not going to hurt anything. You'll be fine. Portillos.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S is how you spell that. Portillos.com. Find a store near you or order online and you can get it anywhere in the United States of America. Portillos.com. Well, if it's Thursday, we're going to tell you what not to watch over the weekend. Yeah, we only have one what not to watch. It's a feature film called Desperate Hour, and it stars Naomi Watts, who's great, who's always been good for 25 years. She's just been uh, an excellent, excellent actor, uh, and she's good here. But you know, we just we just talked a couple of weeks ago about the genre of school shooting movies, how many there have been, and a lot of them telling it from the aftermath. Or you know the, the events leading up to it, or the shooting itself. In this one, this is clearly made during the pandemic, row because the the bulk of the movie, with a few exceptions, Naomi Watts plays a mom who is out for a run in the woods, conveniently like three miles away from any transportation. When she gets a call saying there's a shooting at his, at her son's school, so she's trying to figure out: Can I get an Uber? Can I get to the school? Can I get a hold of people? She's losing signal, so she's it's a cell phone performance. And then she starts getting calls from the authorities because her son might be the shooter, not a victim. I mean, that, that, that is very, very deep and heavy and rich, dramatic material. There's no doubt about that. Imagine a mother can't get to the high school because she's out you know, three miles away in the woods. First of all, worrying about the safety of her children, then hearing that her son might be the shooter and trying to get a hold of him. It just, it, it just, It just goes on forever, though, because it's all almost Naomi Watts on the phone. And those phone conversation movies, there was what we call Phone Booth with mm-hmm. Colin Farrell. Back in the early 2000s, it's hard to pull those off. And that one they knew, they figured out ways to kind of bring the story outside of that. So I have to reluctantly say to, to not watch Desperate Hour. Uh, yeah. You know, actors and their agents love things like this because it's oh, a yeah. singular performance, yeah. the camera's on them. Or, you know, maybe it's a two actor kind of presentation. It's like yep. a play, it's, it, it's stretching their value. But I, very rarely. you got to really be at the very top of your game to pull it yeah, off. Yeah, and she's great. The other thing I've noticed in a lot of those movies, Ro, because you'll, you'll, sometimes some pretty well-known actors will take the roles that are only heard on the phone. 
telephone roles because it's like an animated role. Right. You know, you could do it in two days and you don't have to be there or anything. They tend to overact wildly. <laughs> the voices on the telephone, it's really weird, you know. Well, you got to do something. I, and I think that's what it is. And I'm like, none of, you're all like overacting on the telephone. Yeah. And that happens in this one, unfortunately. It's super hard. I mean, you got to have great material. Uh, the best of those movies of the modern day so far is the uh, two actor performances, The Two Popes. Yeah. That is yeah. by far the but best. But one of them wasn't on the phone. Right. That's, that's, that's true. That, that helps. That's true. So, Desperate Hour. And I also just feel like... Uh, you know, we've had, like, as I've mentioned, we've had quite a few movies about uh, school shootings, and I just don't know if the appetite is there. Listen, if it's well done, I'm going to tell you that. But we do have some good stuff. Okay. Bro. Do we know? Do we have uh, the Thursday three, or is it a different number? It's three oh, it's for three. once. All right. It's okay. rare, the Thursday three is rarely three. But this today it is. Uh, I want to start off with Cyrano. And this came out late last year in certain markets, but it's just now opening wide across the across this great land of ours. Peter Dinklage, everybody knows him from Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and other great roles. He plays the title character. Now everybody knows the story of Cyrano, you know, who's in love with Roxanne, but he's got this gigantic nose, so he feels like she'll never love him. So she, you know, and, and then there's this handsome guy, and he speaks through that guy. And um, in this case, it would be his stature and not his nose of Cyrano that makes right. him feel like Cyrano de Bergerac, very famed story. Yeah. The cool thing, too, though, is this is a musical, believe it or not. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, but it's beautifully done. It's done by Joe Wright, who did Pride and Prejudice and Atonement, Darkest Hour. I mean, he does top, top-level prestige projects. And this also was done during the pandemic, row, but they did it in Sicily with the whole cast and crew kind of self-quarantined there. So it's got beautiful sets and, and fantastic vistas and a huge cast. And it's not a pure musical. They don't sing all through it, but they stop occasionally, and Peter Dinklage can sing. Who knew? Yes, yeah. I think we did know that. Actually. Maybe we have yeah. seen him in other things. But uh, for a story that is, you know, the original Cyrano uh, de Bergerac play came out in 1897. The first film adaptation came out in 1900, a French silent film. So, you know, it's been it's been adapted for the big screen and the small screen through the decades. The Jose Ferrer so, won the Academy Award. Gerard Depardieu. Right. Uh, it's an eternal story. And then Steve Martin did the great twist on it with Roxanne. Yes. Which was a modern day telling, one of the best sitcom, rotcom, I should say, one of the best rom coms of the 1980s. Uh, so, Cyrano, I love. Now, here's one for you. All right. This one is a contender for the most batshit crazy movie of the year. It's called Studio 666. Mm-hmm. Now, the Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, Taylor yes. Hawkins, and the, and the guys, they play themselves, the Foo Fighters. Okay. But it's a fictional movie, so they're going to record their 10th album, and they, they've they hit kind of a writer's block kind of thing. Jeff Garland's their manager, says, we need an album. Do something different. So they rent a, a mansion in Encino that turns out it has all this kind of rock and roll history of debauchery and maybe even death, and it turns out it's a haunted mansion. So, uh, And Whitney Cummings is their next-door neighbor, and Will Forte is the delivery guy. There's all these, and Lionel Richie plays himself for five minutes just because. Uh, so they're playing themselves. Uh, the Foo Fighters. So it's sort of like when the monkeys or you know, the Beatles or something. Yeah. Kiss even did a movie once. You know, and they're yeah. always the Beatles ones were great. But Dave Grohl, who's very good as Dave Grohl, yes. I believe him. Yeah, uh, when he's playing the role. guitar and singing mm-hmm. and everything, he literally becomes possessed and like by not demonic spirits and starts offing people in creatively horrific ways with chainsaws and barbecues. And a drum cymbal can really be a deadly weapon when you think about it. It becomes like the goriest, bloodiest drive-in movie 
But it's the Foo Fighters. And it's terrible, but it's kind of great. It's sort of the song remains the same meets the CBS series Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, it is. The thing about it is once they decided, and I guess they decided to do this kind of on a whim where they actually were recording their 10th album at this Encino mansion. But when they did it, like everything Dave Grohl does, I've always been a huge admirer of his because I, I here's a guy that always just seems to love what he does. That's true. And if you see them in concert, he plays it like it's his first or last show ever. Yeah. You know, he gives you your money's worth and he digs it, but not in a dick kind of way. He he gets, hey, yeah, I was in Nirvana and now I'm in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame again as right. the front man from the Foo Fighters. And isn't this great, but not in a jerky kind right. of way. And that comes through even when he's, you know, possessed by the devil here. <laughs> And splitting people in half. But once they did it, to my point, he's a perfectionist, too, so it looks great. They got, like, you know, special effects. Like, they got the makeup guy that created Chucky. You know, like, people that really know what they're doing. So when someone gets killed, I mean, it's way over the top. You know, I mean, people get split in half (laughs) and stuff like that. But if you're in for that, it's kind kind of brilliant in its own crazy way. He rarely fails. Yeah, I think I'm, I can't yeah. think of one time actually. And I think a lot of people are that's the feeling there's like why would they want to do something so weird and possibly junky and I think he's like well, if we're going to do it you should stick with us. Watch this. Yeah. Cuz people said that 25 years ago when they said you're a drummer. And he said, "Well, hold on." <laughs> right, exactly. Let me get this guitar and this microphone. I was like, right. "Holy shit." Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's yeah. he's as great a star of music or of, it, it just a, a 21st century star. Yeah. Amazing guy. All right. And then, now this is interesting. Super pumped. The battle for Uber, or Uber, as a lot of people call it. <laughs> the Uber. Uh, yeah, this is a Showtime series. Uh, it's terrific, Ro. You're going to love it. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the founder of Uber. Uma Thurman, Kyle Chandler, this terrific cast. And it, it's very, very reminiscent of the social network. Maybe not quite as good because few things are, but it has that same feel. And it's not written by Aaron Sorkin. It's actually uh, the writer's Brian Koppelman. But he's a similar writer. He did Rounders and Billions, a lot of pop culture references, mm-hmm. fast dialogue. But it's told in that kind of slick, cool, recent history manner. All this stuff just happened like six years ago, but it's almost like recent history. Right. Right. So it's really great. It's, it's really cool. And you... You go back and think about all the battles between Uber and Lyft and cab drivers and yeah. the whole idea. Because, you know, you go back 10 years and, you, and you're like, wait a minute. People are just going to slap a sticker on their windshield and strangers are going to get in their car. Right. You know? I mean, that was, I'm stealing this from a comic from a decade ago, which is, you know, our parents told us not to get into a strange person's car yeah. and now we're paying to do it. Yeah. It is the strangest interrupter of all of them yeah, to me. It really is. Is what yeah. Uber did and what it did to the cab industry in New York and in other major cities, Chicago included, in which these cab medallions that in New York people were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a medallion to be a cab driver. Yeah. And then, you know, now that medallion's worth $5,000 and you had uh, literally people taking their own lives as a result of the economic ruin that it created for that industry, but it's given a boon you know, to people who don't know where they're going, which I think is the best thing ever. And you get into <laughs> Ubers now, and I'm sorry. I mean, there's some are great. There are some, yeah. you know, dedicated drivers. Uh, many of them are former cabbies. Yeah. But then there are people who they're like, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to do this, and they can't find it. And you, they, they're they, terrible. Yes. I mean, some of the, and I have largely positive experiences. I agree. I need to lift an Uber all the time. Uh, but one out of every 10, I mean, I got into a van the other day. I felt like someone was going to tell me to put the lotion in the basket at the end of this trip, man. It looked like Jamie Gum's van 
from fucking Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it was like carpeting on the floor. It was a van, van. Like so, I had to like crawl into it oh, and man. climb to the because he had taken out the middle seats for bodies. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> And it was just dirty as hell. And I was like a fa- fairly short ride. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have this guy pull over. I'll, I'll just endure it. So, All right. Well, but you're here. So I made it. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 Zendaya will be playing my grandmother in an upcoming movie because Hollywood is ageist. So there you go. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, of course, is always great. Yeah, right? love him. No matter what yeah. he does. Okay. All right. Uh, coming up on the next podcast, mm. a seminal film in the history of seminal films. The GOAT. Perhaps the greatest film of all time. You and I might make that argument. Mm-hmm. Is celebrating a major birthday. We will talk about that. Perhaps this music gives you a little indication. Reminding you that the Rowan Roper Podcast is being brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. want to thank Renee Nelson and Tim Melanius, our executive producers, and our long-suffering <laughs> producer and director of all the things that you hear in your ear, Demita Menezes. We'll see you next time.